So you finish up practice, a practice that you've worked hard to prepare and plan for. You brought 100% focus and intensity as a coach, and then what happens? Typically, you throw all the balls in a bag, hop in the car, and run home to catch dinner with the family or something like that, right? And then you might sit down the next day to plan your practice and you think back to the day before and a few things that, hey, you might try differently. I mean, I think the other day, being intentional, being consistent in our reflection process, it's really difficult. And then being objective in that reflection process, I mean, that's impossible. So we have to work hard to complete this learning cycle, this, this loop. And we need to get outside perspective on our review so we can get some more objective feedback. And there's probably nobody in a better situation to do that than our assistant coaches and our players. But getting them to be honest, that, that's not easy. And Alan Keane and Simon Turner, in the last part of our conversation of this three-part series with them on plan, do, review, well, they're going to dive into some of the challenges and ways that we can complete this loop and bring others into the process, which is huge because growth is a journey that we shouldn't be doing alone. And that's one of the many reasons we do this podcast, to share our growth journey with you. Welcome back to the Coaching Culture Podcast. If you're a new listener, my name is JP Nurbin, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Nate Sanderson. The podcast is brought to you by TOC Culture Consulting, which I founded over five years ago because I wanted to help coaches grow as leaders and build better cultures. If you want some help beyond this podcast, head on over to tocculture.com. You can learn more about how we help coaches through mentorship and online education. Also, you can subscribe to our newsletter to get not only our coaching notes for this podcast, but a host of other free coaching tools. Now, let's get into the final part of our conversation with Simon Turner and Alan Keane. I guess my question for you guys here is, and I can look back on my times as a coach in Limerick in Ireland, and I actually used to take the bus into practice, and, and then I would take the bus back, and you know, you might be on the bus for 20 minutes. And so I was actually pretty good about reflecting on practice, not to the level that you guys have described here. I could have benefited from those tools in a big way, but I took the time to reflect. I, I think where I struggled with was completing the loop, though. I think I'd sit there and I'd write out on the back of my practice plan all the things that you know, I, we could have done better and things I should change. But I would still just miss this connection when I sat down to plan my next practice. So I wonder in this tool, is there any way that you're helping coaches to kind of complete this loop you know, in a practical way from, from that review to the next plan? Well, it's worth noting that the review process really has two steps within it. It has uh, the reflection and then the learning. So the reflection is what just happened. Like, so we've coached the session, so what? What are the implications? Uh, what just happened? What were the experiences that I had? What were the experiences that the uh, players had? And then once you've gathered that, the next phase is to then say, what are the implications of that? What, what are we learning from this process? What have we learned about coaching? What have we learned about our team as a result of this game or practice? That's the learning. So if you split reviewing into reflection and then learning, that uh, bridges the gap to planning because it's the, the reflection without the next stage, which is the learning. 
that that's maybe where the loop is not being completed. So it's just looking back the way without then looking forward the way. And, and this is also connected to um, our whole perception of uh, our experience when we're coaching. So completing a kind of reflective or reviewing process enables a coach to move from feeling to thinking to knowing. So most of the time when we're not reviewing, our perceptions, our reflections of a practice or a game are based on how we feel about that session. Like literally physically in our bodies, how did we, when we look back on that session, how do I feel? What's my physical response to that? And that's heavily influenced by behavior of other people around us. Did we get some smiles from the players or were some of the players having a bad day and it went a bit south? Or it might be my frustration that we didn't get through the practice plan or we couldn't get transition defense improved. So I'm walking away with a feeling of frustration and that's my experience that I'm going to remember. If you don't then think about it, then you're just left with that feeling. So if you're then going into the next coaching opportunity and you're being heavily influenced by literally how you physically felt in the last session, then you're not doing the, the players justice or yourself justice. But if you can then think about it, which is what you're doing on the bus, you're looking back, okay, well, this is how I feel about the session. But now that I've got away from the gym and I'm a few minutes away from it uh, and I've settled down, I'm gonna th- I can think about it. Oh, what's the implications of what just happened? What can we do better next time? And then knowing then involves others. Like I can't know that what I think happened actually happened without checking with Alan. Because if he has a completely contradictory experience, then maybe what I think happened actually didn't happen. And then if we check with another coach or even better check with players, then we can get towards knowing. So that's helps us go from feeling to thinking to knowing. And it's when we get to, well, when I say knowing, I'm using that word a little bit loosely because you could argue we, <laughs> you could argue we, you know, we never know what, what we think we know. But that represents that uh, the transformation of the coach moving from th- from feeling to thinking uh, to knowing as part of this review process. I think an important part to, to highlight, JP and Nate, is what and Simon touched off it there. Doing the review process is really important. It's incredibly valuable. But if you're only keeping it to yourself, <laughs> you're missing a major opportunity for somebody else to give you a different perspective. And Simon touched off it there. So Simon will review our practices. um, I'll review our practices and we share them and it maybe stimulate some other thoughts that we weren't having. And, you know, there's a lot in the academic world that says, you know, a review is not a review unless it's shared. Um, Reflections are not reflections unless they're shared. They can be just subjective thoughts. Um, and the real power comes from sharing those review um, those review sections of the of the planner. And Simon, you touched off this a little bit earlier as well. It can be difficult if you're working in isolation and you're working alone, which many coaches are throughout the world. You are the head coach, you are the assistant coach, you're washing the kit, you're doing the, you're you're doing everything. Well, there's actually a coach that lives um, in another part of the UK. Um, reached out to me about three months ago. I have to mention his name. He's a fantastic guy, Tom Brinkley. And he's reached out to me and said, would you mind having a look at my practice plan do review? 
I didn't know at the time he had purchased one of the movement planners. I said, absolutely, of course. I've opened a can of worms because he's sending me one every week. <laughs> but, you know, his whole purpose is I just want somebody else's eyes on this. And what do you see? What are you seeing with my plan? What are you seeing my review? So it now becomes me replying to him by voice note on WhatsApp as I'm walking down the street. Takes no time out of my day. You know, and this guy's, you know, he, he's just somebody who works in isolation to a point. And thought, you know what, I'm going to, he, he might have sent this to four or five people. I might not be the only person. So I'm, my, my message is, JP, and, and if you're working in isolation, you're never actually working in isolation. It's a choice because there's a lot of coaches out there. If you ask them or your partner, can you have a look at my review? What, do you, what are you seeing? What are you thinking about that? Or somebody else in another sport, which is a really rich one as well. So I just want to highlight that it's not as easy. Not everybody has. I've got two assistant coaches at Barham Your Blaze, guys. Can you believe it? It's incredible. Two assistant coaches, you know, and, and I've been very blessed throughout my journey to have worked with assistants and a team of staff, but not everybody has that, but you can make it happen. You just need to reach out to another coach and say, would you mind having a look at my review? Everybody would, as most would embrace it. I'd, I'd be, I'd challenge you to say, Try it as an experiment. I'd be shocked if, if somebody didn't um, respond. Well, Alan, I can uh, definitely attest to that. I, I'm fortunate this year. I've got a, a, a niece in our program whose aunt um, was a Division One coach and then a high school coach for like 15 years. And so she's uh, out of coaching now to watch her niece and nephew be able to play basketball and other sports. And so when she got out, I said, look, the game needs you. Like you, you, you got to stay involved somewhere. How would you like to have access to our huddle and book your head into practice or, you know, watch our games and just send me three thoughts from Susan, you know? And so I get that after every game. And then we talk about it on the phone where she's just got carte blanche, whatever she sees, tell me what your next steps would be. Tell me what improvements you're seeing, you know? And it's really fun because she'll say things like, I can see you were trying to, you know, make this adjustment. And this is, you know, what I saw from it, you know, so it's just, it's been a really cool process. And again, th those people are out there, right? If we're willing to, to make ourselves a little bit vulnerable and reach out. I want to ask you guys about one more question here before we get out of here, because you mentioned this before as another resource in the review process, being your players. And I think that sometimes there is resistance uh, for lots of different reasons, you know, for engaging players in that process whether it's, you know, we don't want to burden them with something more and ask them to, you know, fill out something after every practice, or whatever it might be. But I do think that that's an untapped resource, especially for coaches that are quote unquote in isolation. They're not really in isolation because they've got 10 or 12 or 15 players that are in their sessions every single day that have the firsthand experience. And yet maybe we don't know the best methods to be able to draw from them. So kind of as a closer here on this idea of review, how do you engage players in that process? Okay, I'll speak first because we're going to save the best for last on this one. Simon's going to give you a lot more uh, the realities, but you're absolutely right, Nate. And, you know, something I've become a lot more mindful of down through the years. Um, I wonder, I wonder sometimes when I look back on how I involved players, was it fair on how I did it? Was, was the process fair? Did it put them in a position that wasn't nice for them? Because I just thought, you know what, let me set up a WhatsApp group with the players and the coaches and ask the players to review openly on that WhatsApp group how they feel about my coaching, their teammates' performance, 
and their performance as individuals. And I did that for a couple of years. Um, and every year I did it, like, you know, I get three months into the season or two months into the season. And I would say to the guy, I would have to meet with the guys and say, look, we've got to be honest about this review process. It's not really working because I don't feel you guys are being honest. Of course, they're not being honest. I'm dictating how much time they're going to play on the weekend. And I'm telling them, I'm asking them to tell me when I've coached badly. I'm asking them to, to hold their hand up when they feel they've played badly. Now, if you ever get to a point where they all feel fully safe to do it, all 12 to 15 guys feel safe to do it. I say guys because I was coaching male team at the time. Then that's fine. But I don't believe I could all 12 or 15 would have ever felt safe to be truly, truly honest. So this guy, Simon Turner, um, reached out to me, you know, around that time period and said to me, why don't you do it anonymously or gave me the idea of doing something anonymously. And what came back there was actually very, 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 very different. And, you know, it, and, and in some ways a bit soul destroying, you know, the thoughts of the players when they could hide behind um, the fact that their name wouldn't be known um, with how they truly felt. But that was reality, Jake, uh, Nate. That was reality. And, and that's what I need. And I set up this WhatsApp group to do player reviews because I thought it would be reality and it wasn't. And looking back at it now, it was probably put the players in a really difficult position because some players I know now, I didn't know at the time, some players were, were saying to others, you're lying. You need to be honest. Like they would call each other out because they were reading each other's um, responses on this WhatsApp group. So in some ways you could argue you created a bit of animosity. So I think you got to be very careful how you tee it up. I think you got to be very careful how you do it. And I think it takes a lot of investment in time, in connections, in relationships. And it kind of goes back to planning, actually. You're planning for those connections where actually you can ask a player. Like I know now with the club I'm working at the moment, there's certain players that will probably be honest with me, but to what depths I'll never really know. But I do know that there's players on there that will be in self-preservation mode if I was to ask them about my coaching. That's just the reality of where we are with our relationship at this point in time, four months down the line, five months down the line. I think, in, Nate, you have to put that kind of question in a broader context. So the question is, how can I get objective feedback from players? But the broader context is the culture of your team or organization. If you have a culture that's based on uh, a figurehead coach who has a lot of power, then you're probably leaning towards a culture of compliance. And then if you have that culture, you just there's almost no point asking for player feedback, almost no point, because it's going to be filtered the way Alan was um, describing there. But if you have a culture of empowerment in which there is a track record and a history of asking for players' input and then acting on that input, then you're creating a reinforcement that if they give you feedback, it's going to be taken on board and acted on. If you if if a coach asks for feedback and then doesn't act on it, like you're just you're just then wasting your your time asking for feedback again in the future. Sometimes it might be worth asking for feedback, privately disagreeing with the feedback you get, but then acting on it anyway for the purpose of empowering um, your players to then give you better feedback, higher quality feedback when you're going to need it further further down the line. So it goes to a bigger question, which is like, what is our culture 
how do we know what our culture is? And culture is not the values that you've printed on a board and it's and you know it's in your hallway or in the on the wall of, of your office. That that's not what I'm I'm talking about. Culture is people like us do things like this. So people like us in this program do things like ask each other challenging questions, acknowledge feedback when they get it. That's the kind of culture that we're trying to build, and we're not there yet. Definitely not there yet. But if you can create that kind of culture, then you ask for feedback, then it might be possible. Now, there's a shortcut, and the shortcut is to bring somebody else in to ask for that feedback. Uh, and that's where the anonymous approach that Alan was describing can, can really help. And that's what we we do for some of our clients is we'll survey the players confidentially uh, and anonymously and ask for their feedback. And it's pretty eye-opening. It's pretty good. When you ask questions about who do you want your coach to be, who's, who is your coach at their best, who is your coach at their worst, that's some eye-watering feedback for the coach. And it can really, it can really hit you in the uh, hit you in the heart pretty strong. And no matter who you are, what kind of relationship you, you have, it's it can be uh it can be quite a challenging experience. But for the coach who's open to that, it's incredibly rewarding. So the long answer, Nate, is develop a culture of acknowledge of challenge and acknowledgement accepting challenge and then the you know the shortcut or maybe the way to kick that off is to bring somebody else in like you were describing a a, a stakeholder a, a, a helper um, that you have connected um, to your team could that person have a confidential pizza night with with your players and maybe just ask some some questions. You know, you have to get you have to get it right because you have to trust that person, and they have to make sure has to be a trust between the players and them that the feedback is going to come to you, but it's going to be anonymized and generalized <laughs> when it gets to you. So there are some shortcuts um, to it as well. But if you've got a culture of compliance that's based on a on a skew with power dynamic, that it's going to be really, I think, really really difficult to get that feedback. You know, one of the things there that I tried last year with my team that I felt was really effective was I actually put them after a weekend practice in their captain's council units. And I said, Hey, you, in your units of three to four, I want you to talk about, you know, a bit of a reflection on, you know, just share how you did in today's session. And so it was a bit of a self-reflection, you know, and then maybe a thought on the team and what we could work on as a team. And then lastly, as a group, I just want you to think, one piece of feedback of one thing that I could probably do better as a coach to help you all. And then the captain would then text it. And so it's more like the group kind of had this feedback for me. And honestly, I got some really great, you know, it wasn't cutting remarks, you know, it was just more like solutions is like, Hey, we need you. One of the big ones is we need you to be more vocal and assertive in the games. And that was really critical for me to, to get that feedback. And so I appreciated that, you know, in a, in a big way. I'll just share with you real quick, because I think a lot of the stuff we've talked about comes back to um, connections and relationships with players. And I want to share with you something I learned this year. And I learned it at this club in Edinburgh. Um, they finish every practice and I've adapted. I've adopted it and we do it every single practice now. But they were doing this before I came. They finish every practice um, with a walk up and down the court in twos, discussing various different things that are non-basketball related. And 
it, it from a coach coming in from the outside it helped me to establish some really amazing connections because we're just shooting the breeze walking up and down the court baseline to baseline so we've gone from aggressive five on five to finishing the practice to now walking up and down the court and everyone's just really toning it down and I, and we do it for like two or three minutes but i'm finding in these moments like I'm really getting to know these guys after every single practice and they're really getting to know me. And I think that's a really interesting thing to do. And I'd never seen or done that before until I came to, to Simon's club. But the value of it in terms of establishing connections, like we plan for connections. We talk a lot about planning for connections, but actually what's the practicality of doing it? Like what's a practical way to do it where that person will let you in or feel more comfortable around you. We're not sitting down in an office having a one-to-one -one meeting. We're walking up and down a basketball court, maybe still dribbling a ball, but we planned to go for a walk at the end of practice, baseline to baseline. I'm sometimes standing in the middle of the circle waiting for guys to finish up because now it's gone for five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, and I'm having to look at the clock going, I got to catch a train. Guys, come on in here, you know? I think that's just a practical, a practical, really cool thing that I wish I had done with every national team I coached and any pro team I'd ever worked with. I wish I had done that because the power of it is amazing. And I'd urge every coach who's listening to this podcast, try it. You'll be really surprised um, the value and benefit of it. So I cannot thank Alan and Simon enough for coming on the podcast to share what they have shared in our conversation. It's inspired me and encouraged me as a coach and a, and a coach mentor this is an area in support of coaches I've got to get better at is giving them feedback on their reflections. So to start the new year, I've been asking some coaches I support in the TOC Mentorship Program to share their you know, practice reviews, their game reviews with me. We've also got support groups within the TOC community. It's something these coaches are starting to be more intentional about giving each other feedback and perspective and asking questions to encourage even greater reflection. Uh, this is what growth looks like, right? It's it's not done in isolation. It has to be done in community. I can't recommend their tools enough. Uh, the plan do review cards. They are really going to help you grow. So some encouragement for you is to go to movementsports.com. That's M-V-M-T sports.com and purchase these cards. They're quality tools. Simon and Alan would also be excited to give you feedback if you email them and, and share some of your reflections. Uh, be sure to follow these guys in their work. I think they're some of the best out there. That's it for our three-part conversation with Simon and Alan. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, please be sure to subscribe. We've got other great guests coming up in the new year, and we're always just trying to offer coaches out there and other leaders some practical ways to be better as leaders and to grow your culture.